AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. some trouble. Got room to run if he wants it. He's going to take it. Purdy inside the 10 and diving near the 6. They're going to put him down at the 5 and right near a first down. From the 32. Goff climbs it. Goff launches. Got a man. End zone. Touchdown. Patrick Queen back in the game. Third and goal. Eckler on the move. Herbert throws. Fight by Everett to the end zone. Touchdown, Chargers! Look, with a pull-up. 22 in the quarter. Approaching the 40-point threshold. And efficient. 14 of 19. Eagles 3 for 3 on third down attempts. Hurts trying to take it in. Diving for the touchdown. And the many Eagle fans in attendance here tonight have to love what they saw from their offense first possession of the game. Start for the Packers, 20. Cousins throws, caught, touchdown, Addison! A Lambeau leap into the arms of Vikings fans here in Green Bay. At first I thought he was crazy, but he smartly jumped only where the purple was. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, January 25th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the NFC Championship game. Who you got? ATS. The Chargers. Jim Harbaugh, approve or disapprove? The Suns, have they figured it out? Uh, the Eagles, would Cliff Kingsbury fit as the OC? The Packers, do they take the next step with a new DC? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup in the most uh, on, on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday in moments of the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15 or so of an NFC Championship game preview. We'll cover the Lions side of things with Ben Raven of ML, uh, excuse me, MLive.com. Might even throw in a little Jim Harbaugh thing in there towards the end of that interview. That's my my intent, at least. Uh, 10.30 or so interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also today's bottom line and some local roundup stuff topped by the Suns Mavericks analysis from last night. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the latest line for NFL Championship Sunday. Then after the Sports Zone from 11 o'clock to 1, it is the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. That'll include more phone call time, 602-260-1060. Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. 
And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is who you got Sunday ATS in uh, San Francisco, uh, Detroit plus seven or San Francisco minus seven. And Corey is here and has the early returns. Here we are split 50-50 on KDUS1060.com. All right. The Lions, they've been, excuse me, let's start with the Niners. They've been favored to win every game this season. The Lions have been in one previous NFC Championship game, that being in 1991 when they lost at Washington. Today's Twitter poll question, Jim Harbaugh, the new Chargers head coach, approve or disapprove? And, uh, Corey, what do we have here? Much more one-sided approve in the lead, 84.6%. Disapprove at 15.4, KDUSAM 1060 on X. Harbaugh's staff is expected to include some of his assistants at the University of Michigan, including defensive coordinator Jesse Minter. Meanwhile, on the local front, uh, it was Devin Booker night. It was his turn. Uh, Booker scored 46 points, 22 in the third quarter, leading the Suns, the surging Suns, to a 132-109 route at Dallas. Have the Suns, now winners of seven straight, figure it out. Meanwhile, Spain, the Globe, Cliff Kingsbury continues to interview for NFL Offensive Coordinator Post. Uh, he's interviewed uh, most recently is to be the next Eagles Offensive Coordinator and might be in the running to be the Bears quarterback's coach even after they, uh, they interviewed him a couple of weeks ago or last week for the OC job. That eventually went to Shane Waldron, but there's speculation in Chicago that he might still be in the running to be the quarterback's coach there. So, would former Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury be a good fit as the Eagles offensive coordinator? Meanwhile, the Packers made a unnecessary change. They fired defensive coordinator Joe Barry following three underwhelming seasons in his job there. Uh, will the Packers take the next step because it will have or they will have a new defensive coordinator next season? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at x.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by an NFC Championship Game Preview with Ben Raven of MLive.com. We'll get the Lions side of things, get some injury updates for the Lions also to this point, even though it's Thursday, so who knows exactly. You know, whether, well, we know one guy's definitely, unfortunately, not going to play for the Lions, so we'll get into that for sure. And how the offensive line injury uh, and injuries uh, for the Lions might affect the game on Sunday at San Francisco. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time, general discussion. 602-260-1060, plus some bottom line answers from the pipeline questions that you just heard. And also, uh, you know, time pending, we'll get to some local roundup, top by some Suns and Mavericks analysis from last night. 
Your list of the sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. The Lions are in their second-ever NFC Championship game. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Ben Rabin of MLive.com. Ben, let's uh, start with uh, – let's go actually kind of go the end of last season, start of this season to start our discussion here. The Lions, after last season's hot finish, they were the overwhelming favorite to win the NFC North this season and considered a, a dark horse or a contender in the NFC. Uh, were you a Lions believer at the start of this season? You know what? I was, and thanks for having me. But, yeah, I, I predicted this team would win 11 games this season and the NFC North, and uh, they exceeded those expectations. But, yeah, it really did start last season with that run. But, you know, the, the signs of success even started towards the end of 2021 when Dan Campbell relieved Anthony Lynn of his play-calling duties. Got more saying that passing attack. You started to see division with Jared Goff behind that stout offensive line. And then obviously the torrid stretch to the finish line last year. I mean, it was this team proved they were for real. They proved they were no fluke. And then they had, then they got better. They got more aggressive in free agency. Obviously that didn't work out with some injuries, but then they had another three straight years of just home run draft classes under Brad Holmes as general manager. And that's why they're still here playing today among the final four. I will get to Brad Holmes momentarily here. Uh, let, let's talk, dive into the Lions season a little more here first. They certainly had some highs. They had some lows during the regular season. Was there a point during the season where you thought that this season's group could reach the NFC Championship game? You know, they, uh, they kind of reinforced all the offseason thoughts that we had, the guys that cover this team had when they uh, went out to Kansas City to open the NFL's regular season and on the night where the Chiefs got their ring, hung a new banner and shot off a bunch of fireworks, the Lions came out of Kansas City winners. <laughs> and not only that, but they dominated in the crowd too. I mean, there was such a strong contingent of Lions fans and it's just been off to the races since. But yeah, going into Kansas City, opening the season under the lights, one of the youngest rosters, one of the most inexperienced rosters in terms of big games, primetime moments, not even reaching the playoffs, to go in there. I don't care who the Chiefs were missing to beat that team in Kansas City to start the season. That's the moment when it was like, all right, clear off the schedule for January because I'm going to be covering some football. Okay, no trepidation after the disaster at Baltimore against the Ravens? No, because you know what? That was the perfect storm. I mean, that was one of the best performances by a quarterback I've honestly ever seen in the first half, and that was the Ravens offense just – well-oiled machine clicking on every front and the one thing that the Lions still struggle with is a rushing quarterback and when you got a rushing quarterback who can throw the way Lamar Jackson has this year that's the perfect storm and it hit them at just the right time but I mean that's the only time this team got blown out of the water and looked like they didn't belong on the field all season all right Dan Campbell yeah obviously has a you know just a dominating presence and bravado uh, and understandably, he's become the face of the franchise. You mentioned Brad Holmes. 
Uh, he's done, uh, you know, he's got some media, national media recognition here in the last week or so. Uh, I, I was a little startled by he didn't get more national attention until lately. What What's the, you know, what's the opinion of people in the state of Michigan regarding Holmes? Is he, you know, I know I'm sure he's highly thought of, but does he get a ton of attention or is it just all Dan Campbell? You know what, Brett Holmes does get a ton of attention locally because, honestly, when he showed up to the Combine last year in Indianapolis wearing a villain sweatshirt, that is kind of where it started hitting (laughs) another level (laughs) because Lions fans love that kind of stuff. And, I mean, they were like, you'd go to the team account on Twitter and just look at the replies, and it's like, where can I buy Brad Holmes' hoodie? Where can I buy that hoodie? But, uh, you know, the the people who follow this team, they know the impact of Holmes. Every single player of that first draft class in 2021 – is still on this roster. There's two first-team mm. All-Pros. There's Derek Barnes, who's a fourth-round pick on that draft class, making the game-clinching interception last week. Ifatu Melifanu, fourth-round pick, the first return in the Matthew Stafford trade, has been a revelation down the stretch. No, Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell's the face of this thing. Dan Campbell's the voice the voice of this team, the face of this team 100%. But uh, every time you get a taste of Brad Holmes, this, this uh, fan base eats it up. I mean, you see him after the Rams game going down in the elevator just – jumping up and down, pumping his fists and screaming. That's the type of guy that the fan base, the people in Detroit, the people in Michigan, they, they rally around. So I'll say locally, Brad Holmes is right up there, too. They're trying to build that guy's statue after three years already, too, around here. Good. I'm glad to actually hear that. Okay, so Jared Goff, you know, he started in a Super Bowl, had some good moments for the Rams. How has he developed into this level of a quarterback with the Lions? Yeah, nobody has ever made me eat my words more than Jared Goff after that first season in Detroit. But it, it, that really starts with Dan Campbell, kind of what I mentioned 2021 when they relieve Anthony Lynn of his play-calling duties. Anthony Lynn, a great coach, great offensive-minded coach. It just was not clicking here. It wasn't clicking with Goff. When Dan took over the play-calling, promoted Ben Johnson to passing game coordinator, that, that's when it took off. And then in that first offseason, heading into 2022, last season, Goff and Johnson sat down kind of formulated their playbook, what they'd want to do, what they don't want to do, what they think they can do well, what they can't do well. And honestly, since then, it's just been arrow up, arrow up. Goff, football player, human being, media <laughs> media interviewee is a completely different person. <laughs> the comfort, the confidence is just off the charts. And, I mean, he is tailor-made to play in this Ben Johnson offense because his accuracy, the ability on his timing throws, and the thing – the thing that his teammates and his coaches say about him is that he's always the same guy, no matter the moment. He is not thrown off by this big stage because, like you said right there, he's been here before. He is he is the center of this franchise. We said it all year. This team will go as far as Jared Goff can take them. And right now they're still playing. They're in the NFC title game, first time in more than 30 years. Won two playoff games for the first time in the Super Bowl era. And uh, just um, – I mean, I just go back to that wild card game against the Rams. You know, you got the franchise icon, Matthew Stafford, coming back into town. They boo him, and the crowd is chanting Jared Goff for about three and a half of the next four hours. Then they were again doing it next weekend, too. So uh, the city has embraced him. I mean, he truly is home, and it's truly to a point where it's hard to think about the Lions without thinking about Jared Goff being here. And that's uh, not what I was saying in 2021, but I will gladly eat my words because he has proven me wrong. Ben Raven of MLive.com, currently in the sports zone. The Lions, when healthy, they have the best offensive line in the NFL. 
That's when healthy. This week, Joni Jackson is out, starting left guard. Center Frank Ragnow expected to play despite leg and ankle injuries. First up, how do you think uh, – how much will the Lions miss Jackson in this game this week? You know, they, they will miss Jonah Jackson quite a bit because I think he can just look – Coyote Alasica, he's going to get the start again this weekend. It looks like he filled in for Jackson last week. He uh, he allowed six pressures on his, like, 28 pass blocking snaps, and five of those were to Vita Bay. And you just look at the guys up and down the 49ers defensive line, and that that is a problem, you know. And they, they, think, in, they think Coyote's a developmental guy, but – to be forced starting him against arguably the best, if not one of the best defensive lines in the league, is uh, not where they want to be because Jonah Jackson, that's a guy that doesn't get a lot of national recognition for how he's been the last three years. And it's a shame because he's been so durable and so tough, and he's just had so many problems this year. And obviously, you know, a slight tear in his meniscus and having surgery, I mean, they're hopeful they could get him back for a potential Super Bowl run, but not having him this weekend is a pretty big speed bump in getting to that point. And yeah, Frank Ragnow. I have no doubt in my mind he will play this weekend. He is uh, he is this league's warrior. Uh, his injuries are so long that it bleeds into the other page of the injury report right now, and there's just like no doubt in the world that he's going to play. He sprained his ankle, sprained his knee last week, and played all 73 offensive snaps, and he was already dealing with back pain, veteran rest issues, and uh, I think ankle injuries already. So it's just – and toe injuries. I mean, he's just uh, – Frank Ragnow deserves every bit of recognition he's getting right now because he is uh, this league's Iron Man right now. To me, I think you mentioned the defensive line from San Francisco. To me, I think that one of the biggest questions of this week's game is you know whether the the Lions' offensive line can actually reach the second level of the 49ers' defense to prevent uh, you know their playmaking linebackers Fred Warner and Drake uh, Drake uh, Greenlaw to make plays. How do you see that matchup? Yeah, it's, it's you know, the Lions are going to really have to take a page out of the Packers book last week. And, you know, and this is one thing the Lions have done well all season is they have got good blocking out of their back, their wide receivers, and their tight ends because I that, that line is going to have to stand pad, I think. I think the Lions are going to have to use a ton of motion to get to that second level. I think they're going to have to use some eye candy for sure, and it's going to be done nonverbal probably too in that environment. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – it's tough. It's going to be tough, but I will say this. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's not just one of the best receivers in the league. He's one of the most willing and best blocking receivers in the league, too, mm-hmm. and uh, he's going to have to play a key role in getting a uh, body on those guys because that defensive line is stout, but like you just said, I mean, those are some serious next-level playmakers at the second level. The Lions, uh, you know, they at least from afar, and I'm from afar here, uh, they've unleashed Jameer Gibbs in recent weeks. David Montgomery is good at what he does, but how much more uh, has Gibbs changed this offense, his increased use? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we saw the vision with him as a dynamic playmaker, a receiver, just a, an offensive weapon, but what Gibbs has done, as a running back and how he's developed as an all-around running back has honestly added pages to already one of the most versatile multiple offensive attacks in the game with Ben Johnson calling the shots. Uh, I just, that cut he made last week on his 31-yard touchdown run there late in the game, that's one of the best cuts I've ever seen in my life, and I grew up watching Barry Sanders, and I'm not comparing him to Barry Sanders, but uh, his, his dynamic ability to change directions, make people miss, while still having enough power to go between the tackles, is very special. That said, they love they love punching defenses in the face with David Montgomery, and I think 
I think it's going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy weekend for both of those guys against the Niners because the Lions know that if they want to win this game, they've got to rely on their rushing attack. They've got to open things up with the play action. But, yeah, Gibbs, without Gibbs, I don't think the Lions are playing this weekend. You mentioned that cut. That was against Antoine Winfield Jr. too. I mean, it wasn't right. you know, some scrub. I mean, that was one of the maybe the best safety in the NFL this year. Uh, so that yeah, was even more impressive. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was ridiculous. All right, the rookie class. You mentioned the 2021 rookie class. This year's rookie class. Uh, yeah, Gibbs and Sam Laporta and Jack Campbell and Brian Branch. Uh, you know, we already talked about Gibbs just now. Yeah, talk about the contributions of Laporta, Campbell, and Branch. Oh, just Sam Laporta. You know, we saw it. We honestly saw it in pajama season, even when they showed up for rookie minicamp and OTAs and stuff like that. Like, okay, this kid looks different. And then it was that first practice that Jared Goff with the pads on at training camp where it was like you kind of saw the similarities in their immediate connection on some of those timing throws that he had with Amon Ross St. Brown, even when he was breaking in as a rookie. And it's just – Laporta just immediately being the number two option on an offense with a ton of great options. I, I just, he's been better blocking than he gets credit for. And he's just the tailor made to play with Jared Goff because his ability to get open and add more after the catch on those deep crossers has just been, it's just been unbelievable. And he, he's just going to continue to get better. Jack Campbell, someone that they tried moving around a little more just because they wanted to get him on the field. They've got some newfound depth at linebacker, so they just tried rushing the passer with him, putting him on the edge a little. That didn't work out. Since they moved him back into his more natural role, he's continued to look better. He's continued to look more comfortable. And uh, what can you say about Brian Branch? I mean, I, I, I think that this kid's going to be the best nickel back in the league before way too long, and he's already in that discussion because he just has a knack for the ball. And he hits at the line like he's a linebacker. And just between Branch and Melifondo's ability on the blitz for this defense to manufacture pressure, I just it's been paramount to their success. And I just I think Brian Branch proved everybody right to who they thought they were, and that they thought that was a steal of the draft. Because I'm telling you right now, I I, I don't understand how he made it past the first round because he is just day one starter, and he's never going to let go of that spot as long as he's healthy. I actually remember saying that the day after the draft. You know, I loved him yeah. in Alabama. I, mean, I remember he was a freshman at Alabama. And he caught my attention. Uh, so, you know, I was uh, mystified that he was still around after the first yeah. day. We're talking uh, lines with Ben Raven of MLive.com. Okay, so specifically, uh, what are some of the uh, so-called keys in your mind for the game on Sunday against the 49ers? Yeah, the, I, the three keys in my mind for the Lions to win this game is they've got to get a takeaway in the first half. Absolutely have to get a takeaway in the first half to get to flip the field once. they got to continue to be able to generate pressure. I don't care if it's from Aiden Hutchinson putting the defensive line on his back or manufacturing blitzes for Branch or Melifanu. And the third one is they, the running game has to be what it was during the regular season. Gibbs had that great run last week. It just hasn't been the efficient, well-oiled machine that we kind of got used to seeing around here the last four weeks, and that includes David Montgomery. I mean, if they can really get those guys going the way they were in the meat of the season, they're, they're going to hang with this team. You know, I, I, I don't love their chances, but they're going to hang with this team. If they can do those three things, give themselves a shot, and that's all they need. This team has proven if they're in it in the fourth quarter, they can steal one. They can beat anybody. So I think you just answered my next question, but I assume that uh, if the Lions don't win, do you think they cover the seven-point underdog number? Um, my my official contractually 
obligated prediction for the newspaper has been 49ers 27, <laughs> Lions 17. <laughs> so Ooh. I do not have okay. them Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> One other thing I want to get to. Uh, it's been quite a month uh, for uh, yeah. the state of Michigan sports here. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh leaving the U of M for the Chargers. I'm curious, are the locals saying, thanks, Jim, you beat Ohio State the last three years and won a national championship, or are, they, are some of them upset that he left? You know, there might be a select few upset, but honestly, it is thank you. I, I think the last three years have prepared that fan base for expecting him to leave. Once an NFL job, the right one came and the right fit came. And, you know, going 40-3, and three, winning three Big Ten titles, going to the playoff three years in a row, and ending with a national championship, uh, the job was finished. And I think that there is a love affair with Sharon Moore and even with the idea of Mike Hart possibly, you know, climbing the ladder here. So I, I think it has Ooh. been overwhelmingly – Thank you and good luck. Okay, it's Sharon Moore is going to be the next coach, right? I assume is it? Yeah. I'm, I'm out would, stepping, stepping, yeah, stepping out of bounds there. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, and you no, mentioned that feels you, very likely to happen in the next week. <laughs> you, you mentioned Mike Hart. I mean, what kind of role would he play? That's a great question because I think if you would have talked to people when he first joined the staff, that he was kind of one of those next guys in waiting. But uh, just the work he's done with some of those running backs and. You know, I, I know Blake Corum has been the stud for two years running, but getting, continuing to get big games when they need it most out of Donovan Edwards. And moving guys' positions around, I think he's just really proven to be a natural developer and a strong leader. And, you know, the one thing that is important in Ann Arbor is uh, he's got that Michigan man background, and they're never going to be able to <laughs> escape how important that is with a large portion of that school and fan base. And I'm sure that they're really happy that Michigan stayed once again his little brother, right? Back in the day, that was uh, the Mike Hart statement I remember. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, Michigan fans basically don't know if Michigan State exists anymore at this point of the relationship. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people in the world that don't know if Michigan State really exists anymore. I mean, even even basketball, they're not as dominant as they have been. So, so Michigan fans, uh, I don't know about the – we all get into the Michigan basketball program right now. Though. No, I'll, I'll leave that part out. There. <laughs> All right. Hey, Ben, good stuff. This has been great. I appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, have, have fun. I'm, this is quite a month and uh, quite a year. And, uh, you know, I, I, this isn't going to be a one-year thing for the Lions. So I'm sure this is going to continue and uh, you know, build and so forth in the future. So good luck. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me and definitely going to get used to working this long. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, it is, it is a long season. I can only – I just hope to see cover a playoff game with the Cardinals before I, in, in my existence. I'm 66. I, I, they got to hurry up. Uh, they got. They got to get they, it going. They, you know what? I'll uh, be pulling for you there too. <laughs> and they won too many damn games this year, and they get the fourth pick. So they they screwed <laughs> that up too. All right. Hey, yeah, thanks, right. Ben. Have, right. have a good day. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get some bottom line answers from today's pipeline and uh, get to some uh, lo- the, uh, bo- we'll get to some local roundup, including some of the Suns and Mavs from last night. Kind of a weird game. I mean, if you just look at the final score, you probably don't realize that the Suns didn't really guard anybody for the first 18 minutes of the game. And I'll get into that a little bit, but uh, just a... Uh, this is the Suns team that I expected back in July. 
quite frankly, when I was less than thrilled about their roster additions. Uh, but uh, the, what we've seen in the last eight days or so, this is kind of what I was expecting the entire season. Uh, so I'll get into that in some, as I mentioned, in some detail in the next segment. Feel free to interrupt if you'd like. In fact, that's not a problem at all. 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline at 602-260-1060. We got a ton of time in this segment if you want to jump aboard. So general discussion, 602-260-1060. Maybe you'd like to deal in some of the pipeline questions here, which I'll get to right now. In fact, here's the bottom line answers from today's pipeline that aren't the poll questions. I'll save those for last and uh, at least mention those last, and we'll answer the uh, pipeline questions during the extra point hosted by Kayla in the uh, noon hour today. First up, in the uh, from the pipeline questions that we will answer right now, uh, and I'm even going to delay this question a little bit, but uh, the Suns, they've now won seven in a row. Have they figured it out? The bottom line the Suns certainly looked like it in the second half last night. I will have more on the Suns from last night in just a few minutes here, so stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, also on the pipeline today, uh, would former Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury be a good fit as the Eagles offensive coordinator? I think the bottom line uh, is in any play caller, uh, except for the now-fired Brian Johnson in Philadelphia. He's not in Philadelphia anymore. Well, he might be there, but he's not there coordinator anymore i think that pretty much any other offensive coordinator would seemingly be a good fit with the eagles offensive skill player level i mean they've got quarterback they've got like three or four uh, running backs they've got two excellent wide receivers they've got one of the best tight ends when healthy in the nfl but i actually think that the eagles <clears throat> excuse me could or should do better than say cliff kingsbury and I think it's safe to say that Kingsbury's offense with the Cardinals rarely maxed out. Uh, let's put it that way. You know, they had a stretch of uh, games and got off to a great start in the 2021 season. Uh, but other than that, you know, they seemed to fall short many uh, more games than they didn't. Meanwhile, the Packers, will they take the next step because it will have a new defensive coordinator? Bottom line here is that the Packers' defense, they need more than a new defensive coordinator. I'm all for, uh, you know, sorry when somebody loses their job, but, you know, Joe Barry, I was amazed that he lasted three seasons of the off, as a defensive coordinator. Barry's very close to Matt LaFleur, the head coach. I assume that's why Barry was actually there for all three of the last three years and really never seemed to get any better. However... I will say that the Packers' defense in 2023, uh, was they, they lacked playmakers. And uh, no matter who the coordinator is next season, they're going to have to add a, uh, you know, several, I think, really players at all three levels. Offense, excuse me, defensive line, linebackers, and also the secondary. Uh, they just don't have that many dudes. So uh, that, it's not just the defensive coordinator thing. That's a good step. But uh, they need just better talent and more playmakers 
on the defensive side of the ball. Also in today's pipeline, the poll questions today, the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Who you got uh, Sunday ATS, Detroit plus seven, or San Francisco minus seven? And uh, also our Twitter, or excuse me, our X poll question today. Jim Harbaugh, the new Chargers head coach, approve or disapprove? And we will answer those two questions during the extra point, as I mentioned, in the noon hour in the extra point hosted by Kayla. All right. Uh, still, if you want to get in, we got time. 602-260-1060. I'll get you in if you'd like to participate. All right. Topping today's local roundup, the Suns. Winning streak is uh, now at seven games. Uh, Devin Booker scored 22 of his th- uh, 46 points in the third quarter last night in the eventual 132-109 to victory at Dallas. The Suns over the last two weeks have actually become the team that I anticipated. A dynamic offense with Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal, and also a really bad defensive team. That's actually something they've been all season long. Last night it was Booker's turn. Remember, Durant had 43 and 40 points in the previous two games. Last night it was Devin Booker's show. Uh, Bradley Beal also kind of got has been forgotten here in the last at least three games uh, with all the uh, scoring uh, you know success and domination by Durant and Booker. But Beal in the last three games has scored uh, certainly an uh, economical, I guess would be a good word to put this. He has uh, scored 2018 and 25 points and made 26 of 48 field goal attempts. In those three games, so Beal still is playing at a high efficiency level, and Beal, who has been getting more, you know, quote, point guard run, even though they really don't have a true point guard, no matter who's trying to be the point guard or facilitating the offense, but Beal has five or more assists in five of the last six games for the Suns. Lost in all the offensive accolades uh, is the defense is still bad including last night, the Suns' defense in the first 18 minutes was as bad as it's been all season. They gave up 50 points last night in the first 18 minutes of the game. That's hard to do. Uh, Also, though, the Suns allowed just eight points over the last six minutes of the first half, and then they outscored the Mavericks uh, 75-51 to in the second half. Also, the Mavericks... Uh, I almost never say this because I think it's just you don't really know most of the time uh, whether a group of professional athletes quit in a game, but the Mavericks quit in that second half last night. They were uh, mentally and uh, mentally deflated for sure. And maybe they were physically tired too, for all I know. But uh, it was uh, an atrocious. It was non-professional. Their attitude and the way they went about things in the second half. But if we were doing Dallas Talk Radio today, that would be, I assume, if you're listening to, even if you were listening to Dallas Talk Radio, assuming they're over the Cowboys losing in the playoffs so far, you know, that was two weeks ago. They should be over that. But, uh, you know, if they're talking about the Mavericks, I assume the top discussion is, you know, those dudes to quit in the second half last night. Also, full disclosure, last night, another example of why the NBA regular season is a complete waste of time something that I've been saying for many years. Kyrie Irving last night missed his 17th game this season for a variety of reasons, listed reasons, 
I'm sure some of these are legitimate injuries. He's missed some games, which seem like uh, we're just going to rest him and make sure he doesn't get further injured. Uh, but he was out again. Uh, Irving's an elite player when he actually plays, which has not been very often, certainly not with high frequency for multiple organizations now for several seasons running. Meanwhile, the Suns, the bottom line, they've won seven in a row. And you know, really, the, this was a, certainly an impressive start to their season-long uh, you know, seven-game road trip. That started last night. That continues tomorrow night at Indiana, who hopefully, because I just like to watch the best players play, hopefully the Pacers will have Tyrese Halliburton, who has missed several games in a row, including the Suns-Pacers game here last Sunday. Uh, because of injury, hopefully he'll be back healthy and playing, and uh, it'll be a high-level game. Meanwhile, uh, quickly, ASU and the U of A, they're on the Oregon Trail. Uh, last time I can say that uh, ever, probably. Uh, the fact that, you know, obviously the uh, you know, Oregon and Oregon State, not in the same conference uh, next year as ASU and the U of A. Uh, but on the Oregon Trail, so I'm going to keep using it. You know, I'll probably use it tomorrow, probably use it next week, and then I'm done. Uh, tonight, the Sun Devils play at Oregon. The Wildcats are at Oregon State. Uh, Arizona State has actually won its last three games at Matthew Knight Arena. I don't know how many teams of uh, Pac-12 teams or anybody. Uh, it had to be a Pac-12 team, I assume, but I don't know if anybody's ever won four in a row at Matthew Knight Arena since they opened that building. Uh, Arizona State and Oregon are also uh, currently tied with Arizona. First place in the Pac-12, 5-2 and two record. Uh, and then all those are the top three teams. Uh, you know, they're tied for first. As far as uh, next would be Colorado, which has gotten healthier. They obviously weren't healthy for several games there. A couple of weeks, actually like three weeks, they weren't healthy. They are healthy now. Uh, Colorado is 6-3. and three. If I were actually just evaluating the Pac-12 teams as how, how far they might actually go once they get to the NCAA tournament, if uh, if you just assume teams are going to be healthy once we get to March, I actually think that Colorado uh, would be behind right behind the U of A as the two teams that have the chance for the most success of any Pac-12 teams in the NCAA tournament. One other quick thing, basketball-related, local basketball-related, Grand Canyon coach Bryce Drew is being mentioned as a coach for major conference jobs, including DePaul, uh, which fired yet another head coach earlier this week. DePaul incredibly, uh, at least incredibly to me, uh, last reached the NCAA tournament in 2004. They've gone through a billion coaches over the years since Joey Meyer left. Uh, and obviously Ray was there. Ray Meyer was there before Joey Meyer. I don't understand. And I mentioned this when I was working in Chicago, I was a season ticket holder to DePaul basketball, largely because they played a really good schedule. And I wanted to go see the opposing teams play because they played several teams that were going to be in the NCAA tournament every year. I just don't understand with the recruiting base of Chicago athletes and Chicago basketball players, how DePaul cannot be an annual good team, at least a good team. They're hardly ever any good. And the fact they haven't even been in the NCAA tournaments in 2004 is just disgusting, mind-boggling, impossible. 
got to just recruit to get somebody that can keep the local kids at home for the most part. If you got two-thirds of the local good high school players in Chicago to stay in Chicago, you would be in the NCAA tournament every year. So someday, maybe, that will happen. Probably not in my lifetime the way this is going, but that's just an amazing thing. But Bryce Drew is one of the guys I heard and read mentioned as a possibility for that job, which is now open. All right, coming up next, news update with Corey. That will be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup. We'll have uh, the updated numbers, and there has been a change in one of the games as far as the, uh, as the, as far as the total goes in the uh, NFL Championship Sunday, so we'll get to those numbers to start the next segment. The little college basketball left from last night, speaking of Chicago, Northwestern wins another game against a top-10 opponent. That's happened twice this season. And then time pending, we'll get into some uh, rip-from-the-headlines-from-the-wire type of things. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Let's start uh, the national roundup with the latest line for NFL Championship Sunday. Uh, the uh, Let's start with the NFC. The 49ers opened 6.5. The total opened uh, 50.5. That back on Sunday. Uh, the uh, Niners are now 7-point favorites. And the total has actually moved in the last 24 hours. They've gone, It's gone from 51 to 51.5. Uh, so that total, total continues to rise. Good weather forecast, at least as of yesterday when I last looked in San Francisco. Obviously, the complete opposite of last Sunday when it was a slop fest and it rained nearly the entire game. Meanwhile, the Ravens in the AFC, they opened three-point favorites against the Chiefs. That was on Sunday, total 45. That quickly went to 3.5 and 44.5, but there's been no consensus change on either of those numbers since Monday. So the Ravens remain three-and-a-half-point favorites, total 44-and-a-half. College basketball from last night, two games stood out, at least to me. Alabama beat Auburn. It was in, in, you know, Basically, it was a basketball game. So there was no fourth-and-31 conversion from Alabama in this game like there was in the football game in November. Uh, but uh, last night it was Mark Sears scoring 22 points and had eight assists and also two big free throws to clinch the game as Alabama beat Auburn 79-74, uh, number eight-ranked Auburn. Uh, Alabama's now 13-6 and overall. They're 5-1 in SEC games. They moved into a tie with uh, Auburn atop the league standings. It was the, the first Alabama win over a ranked team in their fifth attempt this season. Uh, they played, obviously, a tough schedule, including losing to the U of A. Uh, but, uh, you know, basically, in fact, they they played five teams that were in the top ten at the time that uh, Alabama played them this year. Last night, uh, also, I should say that they rebounded. They got routed on Saturday at number five, Tennessee, in that game. Uh, but, uh, you know, they certainly rallied uh, last night, and they were they were the better team. Auburn also now drops to 10-3 and three overall, 5-1 and one in conference games. Uh, they actually had the nation's fourth longest winning streak snapped at 11 games. 
It was uh, the longest winning streak uh, that they'd had. That was the longest winning streak of any team in the major, in the Power Five teams, at least. So we'll see what's up with that, and uh, see if that see if their uh, success continues throughout the season. Auburn, a good team. The metrics love them. I'm not sure the metrics and the eye pat, the eye test exactly match. Meanwhile, Northwestern beat another uh, you know top ten rival for the second time this season in uh, at home. Uh, they beat in-state rival Illinois last night. Boo Bowie, who is one of the best players in college basketball, excellent guard. He had 29 points last night to lead the way. Quickly, some uh, rip from the headlines and from the wire things. Uh, Chiefs uh, starting guard Joe Tooney with the pec strain, unlikely to play in Sunday's AFC Championship game at Baltimore. At least that's reports. Meanwhile, the Ravens. Uh, they actually got cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who's had multiple injuries. Uh, he was back on the practice field yesterday, so that's got to be a good sign. Meanwhile, the uh, the Dolphins uh, and uh, Vic Fangio have parted ways as a defensive coordinator. And uh, I don't think it's official yet, but it's expected that he's going to become the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia, where he had a consultant role during their 2022 Super Bowl season. All right, that's it for the uh, the uh, sports zone for today. Stay tuned. National Roundup. Uh, I just did the National Roundup. Stay tuned. The Extra Point, uh, hosted by Kayla, coming up next. We'll have more phone call time, 602-260-1060. You're listening to the sports zone. This has been the sports zone, I should say. You've been listening. Thank God for that. Uh, with uh, Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and I'll do a better job AM closing the show. 